Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AEW's All Out in Chicago just got a little more interesting in light of the big news on Wednesday. Concerning CM Punk, I covered CM Punk and Brian Danielson in a separate video. Right now, we have to talk about Fighter Fest Night 2 on AEW Dynamite back in Texas for the second straight week, this time in Garland, Texas. I thought last week's episode was the best episode of Dynamite that I've seen that the company has ever produced. This week was not the best Dynamite. I say week one, night one of Fighter Fest. Was better than night two, but this was a fun follow-up, I thought, overall to last week's show. And it feels like the company so far, these last couple of weeks, since going back out on the road and leaving Daly's place, uh, really has a lot of momentum. They seem to be on a roll right now. Another hot crowd tonight. Uh, we'll see if that continues when they're out of the state of Texas. They're going to be in North Carolina next week in Charlotte. Uh, but this is a um, an odd week Usually I do the AEW reviews in video form live immediately after. For those of you who tried to tune in last night, of course I had uh, a whole bunch of issues and it wasn't an internet issue. It was It's an issue with the system. It's a CPU issue. I'm going to have to buy a new machine uh, as quickly as possible, a new laptop, but uh, we'll get that all figured out. I want to apologize though for the people who did tune in for all of the technical difficulties and everybody who super chatted. And uh, despite all of the issues, we had a lot of people chiming in and sending in Super Chats. And I told you that I would read each and every single one of your messages. And that is exactly what I am going to do. So at the end of this review, I am going to go through every single Super Chat and acknowledge every single one of you who took the time to donate last night. So we will get to that. And one other note, last night, I did manage to get the contest in. WrestleRumble.com, we were giving away two free tickets. One lucky winner for AEW All Out in Chicago on September 5th. Great seats, one level up, totally unobstructed view, section 116, second row. You get to sit with Matt and the Wrestle Rumble crew, free food and drink. It's going to be a great experience, especially in light of the CM Punk news. If he was to actually show up in AEW, I would think Chicago, right? On September 5th would be a likely landing spot for him as far as a debut. So that could be a really fun night. We had over 1,600 entries in the contest. I picked one winner at random, and that winner was Scott Borrow, who I believe has already been alerted, and if not, he'll hear it here. So Scott, congratulations. You uh, and a friend or significant other or whoever it may be are on your way to Chicago for All Out. So congratulations, and thank you again to WrestleRumble.com, as always, for allowing me the chance to host the contest, and by the way, in two weeks, after my Dynamite review, or during my Dynamite review on August 4th, we're going to be doing another Wrestle Rumble contest. This is for a very special piece of custom artwork, and I'll mention that a little bit later on, but you can go to Wrestle Rumble right now and find all of the information there, and an illustration of what you are effectively bidding on. It's only a dollar to enter. It's basically, the theme is Seinfeld meets Pro Wrestling. It's pretty cool stuff, so go check that out. 
But right now, I want to just dive right into this show from last night. Fighter Fest opened with the first of five labors of Chris Jericho against Sean Spears. Stipulation is that Spears could use a chair, Jericho cannot. Of course, Jericho has to go through four labors before getting to MJF as his fifth labor, presumably at All Out. MJF sat in on commentary for this at one point. Uh, he asked the question, what do you call a hot woman in Dallas? I knew the answer before he even said it, but it was still, I still popped for it. A tourist, of course. Get it? Because they're all ugly. That's what he's saying. I've been to Dallas. I was in Dallas for WrestleMania about five years ago. And from what I can recall, there are a lot of beautiful women in Dallas. Although I cannot tell you if they were all tourists or not. It's possible they were all in town for WrestleMania. But I've heard... I've heard nothing but good things about Dallas. Jim Ross's uh, audio made him sound like he was radioing in from the high seas somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to speak after the fucking technical problems I had last night, but he he definitely sounded a little weird. At some point, though, they obviously resolved the issue. But Spears grabbed a chair from under the ring, and he had cut off a Jericho springboard and he was going after Jericho's injured left arm. He still has a brace on his arm from the big bump he took at Blood and Guts. And Jericho was able to come back. He had Spears up on the top rope. This is the most impressive thing I saw the entire match. He hit a top rope Frankensteiner. And this is not the Chris Jericho of even 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. You know, physically, obviously he's older. He looks it. You know, he's not in the shape that he used to be in. He doesn't move around the ring the way that he used to move around the ring because that's just father time and probably all the drinking and everything else that goes with doing all the stuff that he does, whether it's the uh, the wrestling or the, you know, Fozzie stuff or what have you. But he hit a Frankensteiner off the top rope, which I thought was was pretty impressive. Spears went outside for another chair, hit Jericho across the back with it. He went to go hit him in the head with it, but Jericho took him down, got the walls of Jericho on, and he was trying to fight out of it. Tully Blanchard got up on the apron. He was distracting Aubrey Edwards. Out comes Sammy Guevara, and he sent Tully packing, and Spears grabbed the chair. He hit Jericho with it, hit the C4, which is his big finish, but Jericho kicked out. I think he might be the first person, in fact, the announcers may have mentioned this, to ever kick out of the C4. And Spears set up for a chair-assisted C4, but Jericho escaped, hit the Judas Effect for the win. And my big takeaway from this is that Sean Spears is a complete loser. Guy gets his own stipulation match. This was his stipulation, right up his alley. He's the chairman. He can use a chair. Jericho cannot. And he still can't win. Of course, he was never going to win. He plays his part. Exactly the way it should be played. He's the setup guy. He is setting up Jericho for his other opponents here as he works his way up to MJF. But I just think it's hilarious that this was this guy's specialty and he still can't fucking win a match. But MJF said if Jericho has anybody else come to his aid again like Sammy the Simp did on this show, then Jericho gets no match with MJF. So there will be no more interference, no more saves, no more run-ins by members of the inner circle going forward. He said next week, in his second labor, Jericho will have a no-disqualification-anything-goes match against a man who once sliced someone's jugular, a man who once robbed a bank, 
without a mask. And if you watched Dark Side of the Ring this season, you knew exactly who was about to come out. Nick Gage, making his AEW debut, walking out to what has to be the biggest crowd he's ever performed in front of, without a shadow of a doubt. And he got a big reaction. People knew who he was. I will also say that robbing a bank without a mask does not make you tough. It makes you a fucking idiot. If you get to rob a bank, at least put a friggin' mask on. But Gage came out and he pulled out a pizza cutter. He was waving that around. and I, I'm not a big fan of, of Nick Gage or that kind of uh, the ultra-violent, extreme-style, CZW-style of wrestling, the death... I mean, there are death matches that I have seen that I am a fan of. You know, a case in point. You know, before John Moxley and Kenny Omega had their exploding barbed wire death match at Revolution... Uh, I had seen, I think that was my first time watching it, the same match uh, years ago, back in what was it, 94, I guess it would have been, between Onita and Terry Funk. And there was, there was storytelling in that match. You know, Onita then at the very end, kind of hovering over Terry to save him from the giant explosions and everything. And I actually came away from that match enjoying it. But then, I, you know, some of the stuff I've seen Nick Gage do, I, I personally... Am, am not a fan, but a lot of people in that building seem to be. And I will say that I was not expecting Chris Jericho to go one-on-one with Nick Gage here in 2021. It is going to be a Styles Clash. I'm curious to see the match for that reason alone. I'm very curious to see how these two are going to play off of each other. This is not an opponent that I ever envisioned Jericho being in the ring with. Or that Nick Gage would even be live wrestling on TNT. I wonder if TNT knows what they're in for. Jericho is going to get carved up. Blood is going to be spilled on both ends. And Nick Gage will not be winning his first match in AEW. Now, later in the show, Jericho was being interviewed by Alex Marvez. He revealed himself when he turned around to be wearing his Painmaker makeup that he wore for his matches in New Japan. You know, in Japan, he had the matches with Tanahashi. This is after the Omega match. He wrestled Tanahashi and he wrestled Naito. And a few other people. I think he wrestled uh, Shingo at one point. But Jericho was more of a brawler. It was almost like he was taking after uh, Bruiser Brody. Where he would run around ringside all wild. And he would throw chairs. And he would use all sorts of weapons and stuff. And that was... It was the right call for Jericho. Because again, he's going to be limited now in what he can do. So I think it's the right call for a match like this, right? You're not going to have a wrestling match with Nick Gage. You're going to have a garbage match with all kinds of weapons and plunder. So it makes sense. I am morbidly curious, more than anything else, to see how this match is going to turn out next week. We had Doc Gallows, one-on-one against Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter. Is that what they would call Triple H? I wonder if he ever signed... With AEW. If Triple H ever gets so tired of seeing all of his talent be brought up to the main roster and fucking castrated. And he just loses his shit and says, fuck this, I'm out of (laughs) here. And he were to sign with AEW. Is that what they would call him? Would that be his name? Would he be, quite literally, the elite hunter? Because that would probably fit him better than it does Frankie Kazari. This was as good as it can be. I mean, Kaz was fine. He did what he could, but, you know, it's a Doc Gallo singles match. You know it's not going to be that great. 
we had Gallows, you know, hit a uh, sit-out tree slam for the win. Carl Anderson kept getting involved, and, and that is ultimately what led to Kaz's downfall. They hit him with the magic killer after the match. Kenny Omega's music played, and he walked out with Don Callis, and Omega said that Kazarian had been a thorn in his side for months. The elite hunter, he said, has become the elite hunted. A very creative line, whoever came up with that one. All of a sudden, Hangman Page's music plays, crowd comes alive, he comes out with a beer in his hand. And Callis points out that the elite have the four-on-one numbers advantage here, and he asks Page, are you either stupid or are you drunk? And Page hands him the beer, and then he attacks the Good Brothers. Immediately, he's overwhelmed, though. And the Dark Order run out to even the odds, and in the end, Page hit a buckshot lariat on Carl Anderson. Omega and the rest of them hightailed it and got out of there. Uh, They needed something to do until, you know, before next month's 10-man tag. I like what they did last week more than this. This, you know, again, this was just something that they needed to do to bridge the gap from last week to the big tag team match next week. So for what it was, I thought it was fine. Next week is going to really tell the tale. Because I don't think it's a a surefire thing that Hangman and Dark Order are going to win that match. And if they don't, you remember the stipulations that they had agreed to, then the Dark Order does not get a tag team title match, and Hangman does not get his AEW title match with Kenny Omega. So maybe they swerve us a little bit, they throw a little bit of a curveball, right? We still have about five, six weeks until All Out, and Hangman will have to find some other way to get that match with Omega. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think it's a surefire guarantee that the baby faces are going to win. We had an announcement from Team Taz. Next week in Charlotte, Ricky Starks is going to have a celebration of his FTW title win from last week. Brian Cage was with Dasha watching this. And he said, well, that works out really well because I love celebrations. So Brian Cage is teasing that he might crash the party next week. Darby Allen with Sting in his corner, one-on-one against Wheeler, Utah, with Orange Cassidy in his. They showed Hikuleo sitting in the crowd with a Bullet Club shirt on, the son of Haku, the brother of Tamatanga and Tangaloa. He was watching the show. Darby's ribs were all taped up after last week's coffin match against Ethan Page. Utah was, of course, going after the midsection. He locked on an octopus at one point. Allen escaped. Utah hit a German suplex bridge for a near fall. Then we had the confrontation of the century. Outside the ring as Sting came face-to-face with Orange Cassidy. It was almost like I was looking into the eyes of Sting. Into the eyes of the icon. And it was Sting who started doing the weak shin kicks that Orange Cassidy usually does. Now, I know Orange Cassidy is still very popular, and I like Orange Cassidy, and he's still very, very over with the AEW crowd. I myself personally have tired of the little shin kicks and all that kind of, you know, goofy stuff that he does. But in this case, this got a chuckle out of me. Watching Sting play along to this as they kick each other back and forth, and then Sting... The part that really got me was at the end when Sting, you know, Orange Cassidy does the weak thumbs up. Sting, who does, you know, he beats his chest like Tarzan. 
or King Kong, not Tarzan, I guess King Kong. He did a very weak chest pound. <laughs> he was playing Orange Cassidy better than Orange Cassidy does. So I did pop for that. I will say that got a chuckle out of me. Utah tried to take advantage of the distraction with the cradle, but Allen hit a stunner and a coffin drop for the win. You know, what little I've seen of, of Wheeler Utah so far, because I didn't really see his work on New Japan Strong and, you know, if he's been on Dark, I've seen him the past couple of weeks on Dynamite. He looks like he's got a lot of potential. He's very smooth in the right. I don't know how old he is. I don't think he's that old. Uh, but he's very smooth with what I've seen him do in the ring. So I think he can he can definitely become uh, you know a big star over time. I don't know if he's officially signed to an AEW contract. I don't know if he's with New Japan and maybe he's just on excursion and he's going to end up going back there. Uh, but what I've seen from him so far is uh, I think pretty positive. I think for what his future holds, which is probably why they're featuring him on Dynamite for the past two weeks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After the match, the Blade attacked Orange Cassidy with brass knucks. Knocked him out ahead of their match, scheduled for later on in the night. We had Britt Baker defending the AEW Women's Championship against Nyla Rose. You know, she may not act like one, but with the reactions that she has been getting each week, Britt Baker is the biggest babyface in the women's division. (laughs) At least until she meets Thunder Rosa again. Because those two are going to meet. In fact, I think Thunder Rosa, I think she might be number two in the women's rankings. So they will meet again at some point. When they meet, Thunder Rosa will be the babyface and Britt Baker will be... Maybe not total heel. She'll probably still get some cheers. But if anybody, I think, can turn the crowd against Britt Baker, it is probably Thunder Rosa. But right now, the people love Britt Baker. This was her first title defense. I thought it was... It was... This was a weird one. Because there were parts of the match, especially the finish, where I thought, hey, that's... It's pretty good. And then there were other parts of the match that were not good. At all. So I would say this was in the middle. This was not a terrible match, but this was not a great match by any means. They go to break, come back from break, and Nyla hits a backbreaker fall-away slam combo. Britt avoided the corner cannonball by Nyla and hit a sling blade, and then she gave her a backslide for a near fall. Rose's, uh, Nyla's shoulder was up. People thought it was three. So Rebel was back, she was on TV this week, and she handed Baker the latex glove. And Britt went for 
uh, lockjaw, but when she turned around, she turned around into an attempted chokeslam by Nyla Rose. Baker rolled out of it for a cradle. She tried for lockjaw. Nyla powered out, hit a Death Valley driver. And she followed that up with her diving, draping leg drop. Great near fall. They got out of that. There was at least one or two points here where I thought they were going to do the title change. And I thought, these people can't be this fucking dumb. You're going to take the title off Britt Baker now and put it on Nyla Rose? But they had me convinced in a couple of parts, especially after the Beast Bomb, that that might be it. Now, Nyla hit a choke slam for a near fall. This is where things fell apart a little bit. And I don't know if it was just... It seemed like she was exhausted. She was very lethargic, was Britt Baker. I think she was just tired. I think that's what happened. I think she kind of ran out of gas towards the end of this match. She went for a crucifix bomb and it just didn't look... It didn't look good. It was, you know, she very... She rolled her up for a near fall. It was very sloppy. And I don't want to put all this on Nyla Rose, because even in the chat, you know, before things went haywire on the live stream last night, there were people, you know, saying things about Nyla Rose and how, you know, she didn't look good in that match and it was her fault. But I didn't come away thinking that, you know, in this case, there was nothing really overly egregious on her part where it's just her fault. You know, it takes it takes two to tango. They were both in there. And if anything, they're both responsible. For how bad that whole sequence looked. Didn't look good. Definitely did not look good. But Nyla hit her with a forearm. And both women ended up down on the mat. Rebel was distracting the referee. She tossed the AW women's title to Britt Baker. And Britt Baker did the Eddie Guerrero fake out spot. Where she tossed the belt to Nyla. And then she dropped down to the mat. Acting like she had been hit. But it didn't work. Didn't work here. Because Nyla just... Tossed the belt back to Britt, and then hit the Beast Bomb for a very close near fall. Nyla went for another Beast Bomb. Britt countered out of it, floated over into the lockjaw, and forced Nyla Rose to submit. That was the part that I actually thought looked good. When she floated over into the lockjaw, that part looked good. It was the stuff that came in the couple of minutes before that to me that uh, didn't look good at all. And she was kind of moving around like she was in quicksand and just very... Uh, gassed is what she looked like here. But Britt Baker gets the win. She is still the AW Women's Champion. We went to footage earlier in the day. Tony Schiavone had the chance to moderate a press conference between FTR and Santana and Ortiz. They are going to be meeting at Fight for the Fallen on Dynamite next Wednesday. Dax Harwood was talking about how, you know, in many ways, we are the same. Us and these guys. These guys and us. We have a lot in common. Ortiz said that FTR, they're just a pit stop on their way to Tag Team Gold. And then Santana stood up. And he he pulled photos out of, of his pocket, showing his mother, showing their apartment from when they lived in this tiny apartment when he was younger. He pulled out what looked like a newspaper clipping from when his mother had to take their landlord to court. He was talking with passion and conviction and you know, again, not to take anything away from Ortiz. I love Ortiz. Boy, I watched this and I thought to myself, you know, this is a guy in Santana who can have a breakout year next year as a single star. I would not be, you know, breaking them up anytime soon. They haven't even been the tag team champions yet. But I think he's got a singles run in him. I do. You know, he's physically, he he looks as, as good as he's ever looked. Obviously, he's put the work in as far as his body goes and 
when he's had the opportunity to speak and cut promos in recent months, he does so with a passion and a conviction and a believability and an authenticity that not everybody has. So I've been very impressed by what I've seen and heard from uh, Santana these past few months. But Harwood said the only thing left to do is to show up next week and beat your asses. That led to a pull-apart. This was very brief. This was a very short segment, but I thought it was very good. And it got it got me sufficiently hyped to see what should be an excellent match between these two teams next week and what really should be, uh, as Ortiz said, a stepping stone for them on their way to the tag team titles, hopefully at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens in September. And maybe they don't even win next week. Maybe FTR wins the first match and then Santana and Ortiz come back and they win the second. Right? You got to build something at all out before you get to Arthur Ashe. But this should be a stepping stone program for them. The Bucks, when they're done with FTR, the Bucks should be next in line for Santana and Ortiz. Surprising that for as long as they've been with the company, really since the very beginning, that they have not been tag team champions. But their time is coming. Tony Schiavone was in the ring to interview Andrade El Idolo, who of course took the microphone right out of his hand and said that he had a surprise for everyone. Remember that surprise that he and Vicky were teasing several weeks ago and then it just got dropped and there was no mention the last few weeks of any surprise? Apparently now the surprise was back. And his surprise was that he has a new executive consultant. And his name is Mr. Perfect. That's the wrong one. I'm sorry. That is the wrong executive consultant. That is the best executive consultant, for the record. But no, his executive consultant, he might not have been Mr. Perfect, but he did get a big reaction here in Texas, which you would expect. Chavo Guerrero made his AEW debut he, it appears, has replaced Vicky Guerrero. They effectively traded one Guerrero for another. The best part about this, no more Vicky with Andrade. It felt to me like an acknowledgement on AEW's part that that probably wasn't working. It was not the best combination for him. Now, it is also possible that this was the plan all along. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. He's only been with Vicky for, what, a month? Why would you even introduce her as... Being Andrade's manager, if you were just going to replace her a month in, I mean, I and it's possible, but they should have just debuted Chavo with him from the beginning. This is the best move to make. The Vicky combo with Andrade it was not doing him any good. Chavo is better in this role than Vicky will be. He got a huge reaction. Death Triangle interrupted to a huge ovation of their own. Pack was back. Pac seems to disappear a lot, and then reappear, and then disappear, and then reappear. So this week he was back, and he said, let it be known, the Death Triangle hides from no one, because Andrade, if you remember last week, he had been looking for Death Triangle. He had something he wanted to ask them or say to them, and so here they were. Death Triangle was out there, and Andrade said, Penta and Phoenix, you guys are good, but with me... And then he lapsed into Spanish went back to English for a little bit until Chavo <laughs> took the microphone out of his hand. And this right here is a perfect example of why it is so important for Andrade to have somebody with him and why I think it is so important for Chavo, who is a better talker than Vicky is, to be in this role. He took the microphone out of Andrade's hand and said, 
what he's trying to say. And then he went on to explain it. But Andrade did take the mic back. He said, I have one question. Una pregunta. Why do you work for Pac? Now you work for Andrade El Idolo. Pac said, Penta and Phoenix don't work for me. We're a family. We're a team. We're a brotherhood. And Phoenix said, we are the real face of the Latinos. Penta said something in Spanish. And then Alex Abrahantes was there. He translated and said, Penta says, why would we want to join a team with you when you're not even on our level? And with that, Death Triangle hit the ring. Chavo, Andrade, and his other male interpreter, they bailed out of the ring. I said it last week. Andrade against any or all of those three members of Death Triangle. Just hook that shit to my veins. Those matches are going to be excellent. But my God, he should not have a fucking microphone in his hand. Like I said, Chavo is a better talker than Vicky is. I think he's going to be good in the role. I still say it's too bad they couldn't grab Selena De La Renta for the role. I think she would have been perfect. She could have even formed her own little faction around Andrade. You know, not unlike what she did in MLW. But it appears, what I'm reading and hearing, is that she is very likely WWE bound. So sometimes it's it's not the company's decision to make. If the talent wants to go somewhere else, then there's not a whole lot that Tony Khan and AEW can do about it. But I think she would have excelled in that role. But please, let Chavo do the majority of the talking from now on. Andrade's English is just not good enough to carry a promo on it on his own. It's it's just not. It's just not. I mean, even when he speaks in English, if you remember last week, they still put subtitles on the screen. You know, conversationally, he might be fine, but when it comes to these promos, it is in their best interest to allow Chavo to do the talking for him, and I assume that is exactly why they brought him in. They have the same idea. Good on AEW for making the switch. Chavo is a much better fit than Vicky. They showed a segment from earlier in the night before Dynamite went on the air where the Hardy family office had a a fight with the Jurassic Express and Christian Cage ran out to make the save, kind of have their back. So they cut to a backstage segment with Christian doing the talking while Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy sat on a crate behind him. And Christian said that, you know what, next week, how about I team with Jurassic Express and we take on Angelico and Private Party. So that match is official for next week. In another segment backstage, Alex Marvez was with QT Marshall. He said next week Marshall will apologize to Tony Schiavone for dumping a protein shake over his head. If I were Tony, I would be skeptical of this. I would be bringing my best friend Britt Baker to back me up. We had Orange Cassidy against the Blade. This was... Again, I know Orange Cassidy is over and everything, but this was the one match I really couldn't bring myself to care about too much there was one spot that made me go holy shit and if you saw it then you know exactly the one that i'm talking about that was the gut wrench power bomb from the top rope by the blade who dropped orange cassidy right on the top turnbuckle and top of the post and then he fell all the way down to the floor a gut wrench on the top turnbuckle that looked like it sucked for him to take. But uh, we went on here a little bit. The bunny tried to get involved in the match. Chris Statlander came out and stopped her. 
Orange Cassidy went to hit Blade with a suicide dive, but Blade pulled Statlander in the way, and I laughed because that reminded me of a spot that I saw once in WCW with Ric Flair, who did the exact same thing to Sherry Martell. God bless Sherry. She was one of the best and doesn't get enough credit for it. But Flair pulled Sherry in the way. So I, I like that spot. Cassidy then shoved Blade into the bunny. And the bunny fell down. Tony Schiavone shouted that her ears fell off. Her bunny ears, not her human ears. Back in the ring, Blade hit a, or a, caught a DDT. And dropped Orange Cassidy over the top rope. Running Lariat, spinning Tombstone, followed for a near fall. And Blade went for the Dr. Bomb, but Cassidy fought out of it, hit the beach break for a near fall. Bunny distracted the referee, tossed the brass knucks to the Blade. But uh, Orange was able to avoid a strike, and he hit the Orange Punch for the win. And when the match was over, Cassidy took possession of the brass knucks and hit another Orange Punch on Blade with the knuckles. And that led to our main event. The Texas Death Match for the IWGP United States Championship. John Moxley defending against the hometown boy, Lance Archer. Remember what he said last week, or what uh, I guess Moxley said last week in his promo. Texas born, Texas bred. He promised that Lance Archer this week would be Texas dead. It's an old expression. And uh, he was, in fact, the hometown boy from the state of Texas. So Archer was... I would say Archer was even more over than Moxley. There were parts of the match where Moxley was getting a little a little booed. You know, it wasn't booed out of the building or anything. People liked him, but uh, you could tell who the, the hometown hero was in this match. This was a rematch from their first Texas death match at Wrestle Kingdom 14 at the Tokyo Dome a couple of years ago. Last man standing rules. Moxley went right after Archer. He grabbed a kendo stick, of course. Fucking kendo stick. Ten seconds into the match. And he's whacking Archer with it. Archer just shrugged it off. And they were trading shots back and forth until he cut Moxley off with a pounce. Archer, who is a big dude. He's every bit of 6'6", 6'7". I think they bill him at 6'8". But let's say he's a legit 6'6", 6'7". He's a big dude. He hits a running cannonball senton out to the floor. So Moxley sent Archer through a, uh, a barricade with a running shoulder tackle. And now they're in the crowd. So they're fighting into the stands. Archer then grabbed a planted fan in the crowd, picked this person up, and used him as a weapon. He threw him. He launched this human being at John Moxley. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And back at ringside, Archer cut off a uh, tope attempt as 
Moxley was trying to come through the ropes for a dive. He cut him off. And then he pulls up the mats at ringside to expose the concrete floor. Moxley, though, fought out of a a move that Archer was going for, and he planted him on the floor with the paradigm shift. And Archer came up bleeding from the forehead. Moxley suddenly produced a fork and repeatedly stabbed at Archer's face, went to commercial. During the commercial, Moxley was setting up tables on the outside, which would come into play uh, here in a few minutes. But back from break, Lance Archer is just, he's pouring blood. And Moxley has him down on the mat. He's got his ankle in the chair. He comes off the ropes to pilmanize him. Archer eventually fought back to his feet. He punched a trash can lid right back in Moxley's face. Sounded like a gunshot went off. Both guys are trading strikes. Moxley starts biting the open wound on Archer's head. This is all, by the way, just child's play compared to what we're probably going to get next week with Nick Gage and Chris Jericho. Moxley hit a release German. Archer gets right back up, mows him down with a big boot. Hits a trash can shot to Moxley's skull. He goes for the blackout. Onto a bunch of chairs that are set up in the ring. Moxley slips out. He hits a low blow. He goes to hit Archer with something. Some kind of slam. On the chairs. Archer, though, chokeslams Moxley instead. Right onto the chairs. Now, there were two chairs that Moxley had set up. He had opened them up. They were sitting right next to each other with the top part of the chair. That's what he got chokeslammed on. So if he was looking for a spine realignment, he doesn't have to go see a chiropractor. Lance Archer gave him one here in this match. Moxley, though, he fought back, hit the King Kong Lariat, and hit a terrible-looking paradigm shift. Now, I didn't say anything about it last week. Because it happens, right? Sometimes the guy goes over a little, a little too much. This is the second week in a row. It happened with Carl Anderson last week. It happened with Lance Archer this week. It's almost like he's not even trying to put any effort into it. He goes for the double underhook, and you know, the paradigm shift, you're supposed to lift the guy up, and he goes down head first. It's almost like he's spiking him down. That's why it's a DDT. Instead, the guy just goes over. It's like he's giving him a fucking, uh, you know, like a gut wrench suplex. Not a gut wrench, but, you know, the double underhook suplex. Tiger driver, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it did not look like a paradigm shift. But Moxley again starts stabbing away at Archer's forehead with that fork. He pulls two barbed wire boards out from underneath the ring. And Moxley lays them across. There are two tables that had been set up earlier on the floor side by side. So now we have one barbed wire board on one table. We have the other barbed wire board on the other table. Now they're on the apron. Moxley is going to paradigm shift him off the apron down through the boards. But Archer has got the fork. And now he's the one stabbing at Moxley's forehead. He chokeslams John Moxley down through both tables onto the barbed wire boards. Moxley is stuck to the barbed wire. He can't beat the count. And Lance Archer is once again IWGP United States Champion. Hikuleo, who I mentioned earlier, steps into the ring to confront Lance Archer. And holy shit, he made Lance Archer look like a fucking midget. (laughs) This guy is gigantic. So if Archer is a legit 6'6 to 6'8, somewhere in that range, uh, Hikuleu is every bit of close to, if not 7 feet tall. He's a big fucking dude. 
I have no idea if he can work or how many years of experience he has. He seems pretty new, I think, to the business from what I understand, but he's definitely got size. He's bigger than anybody else they have in that company, not named uh, Paul White, who's not uh, really actively competing at the moment. So they had a stare down. I thought it was a really fun main event. And the big the big story here, the big takeaway here, is that it was a much-needed win for Lance Archer. I said last week, Lance Archer is the one guy in this company. He's big, he's imposing, he's intimidating. Talks about how everybody dies. The only person who dies at the end of his matches, typically, is Lance Archer. So if anybody needed a win in the worst way, it was Lance Archer. He needed this win. And I had a lot of people point out to me that, well, you know, Solomonster, he's not signed to a New Japan contract. So he's probably not going to win the title. But I still maintain he had to win this match, and he did. Obviously, AEW worked it out with New Japan. Archer used to work in New Japan, so I'm sure they don't have an issue putting the belt back on him. And whatever matches they may need him for, he'll he'll step into the place of John Moxley. He needed this win. This was the right outcome to this match. And I was happy to see it. And now, hopefully, he'll have a purpose going forward. I mean, it's not an AEW belt. But at least now, he's got gold. He'll have people coming after him to challenge him for the championship. And he'll have a role on the show that, for the longest time, he had no role. He was directionless. Now, at least, he has a purpose. Now, he has direction. So, I enjoyed that main event. Uh, A fun end to what I thought overall was a fun show. But if I had to give the edge to one week over the other, i definitely give the edge to week one of Fighter Fest. Now, next week is Fight for the Fallen at the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. They have stacked this show. We have Chapter 2 in the Five Labors of Jericho. It'll be Painmaker Chris Jericho one-on-one with Nick Gage. I am very curious to see how this match plays out. Dark Order... Hangman Page take on the Elite. If Page and the Dark Order can pull out the win, Page gets an AEW title match, Dark Order will challenge the Bucks, presumably at All Out, for the tag team titles. We have LAX taking on FTR. That's the other match I'm really looking forward to next week. We have Christian Cage and Jurassic Express taking on Angelico and Private Party with Matt Hardy in their corner. And Tony Khan is going to make a major live event announcement. And I am thinking, this is just me thinking here, I'm thinking either their first big West Coast show or a UK show. So that's my pretty, I could be way off on that, but I think it's one or the other. Because they really haven't run the West Coast yet. So I think it's either a big, maybe like a California show or something. I mean, obviously they've run Vegas, okay? So they have run Vegas. It's not like they haven't run anything on the West Coast at all. But I mean, outside of Vegas, when I think of California or I think of other states that are that are out west, AEW really does not uh, have a, a presence. They have not had a live event presence out there. So it could be a West Coast swing or it could be a UK show. But uh, we shall find out on TV next week. Tony Khan has been making a lot of announcements and teasing a lot of announcements. You know, even, you know, to go back to the, the Brian and the Punk stuff. And again, I will talk about the Brian and Punk stuff in a separate video that's probably up as you are listening to this. So I would suggest you go check that out. I did over 20 minutes uh, just before this talking about those two. And 
them possibly signing and coming into AEW and, and why I think it's a great move on Tony Khan's part and where they fit in there. But, you know, he's he had a ten, has a tendency to tease surprise announcements. It kind of blew up in his face with the Christian Cage thing, and I don't blame Christian for that. It's not his fault. But the way that thing got built up, and it was coming off of the announcement of, of the big show coming into AEW, someone who I never thought would sign with AEW. He's one of those, I thought he would be one of those lifers in WWE like Undertaker who would never leave, especially at this stage of his career where he's not really wrestling full-time anymore. It's like, why leave? But then to follow that up with a major announcement and there were teases that it's another big name, maybe even bigger, and then Christian walks out, all you know, all due respect to Christian, that was a, a fucking dud. That's how it came off. So AEW has to be careful as they hype up announcements in the future. When it comes to Punk or Bryant, of course, you know, all this talk about there being big surprises in store yet to come that we haven't seen yet in AEW, those are two names that would live up to the billing. And whatever this live event announcement is next week, it should be a big deal. A UK show, a major UK show for AEW would be a big deal. Be a big deal to the UK fans, I know that. They also announced in two weeks, on the August 3rd, is it August 3rd or August 4th? Let me check real quick here. I have it down as August 3rd. Uh, I think it's August 4th, though. AW Dynamite going to be back in Jacksonville at Daly's Place for their homecoming show. So they are going back to Daly's Place, but that'll be the last time for a while. Cody Rhodes, one-on-one against Malachi Black. And with Cody filming season two of his Go Big show on TBS next month, that sure sounds to me like it's going to be a win for Black, which it should be, and a send-off for Cody that gets him off television probably for the entire month of August, would be my guess. So next week's show is uh, is a pretty stacked one. Uh, we had two polls up before things went to shit with the stream we had uh, close to 1,500 votes in the poll that I had uh, put up on YouTube. And it was 91 to 9. I mean, it was an overwhelmingly positive response to last night's show. Let me check the Twitter poll, which has over 1,800 votes as I am recording this. And is not off by too much from the YouTube poll. 83.5% thumbs up. Compared to 16.5% thumbs down. So I think that's actually, that might be a, I don't know if that might be a little bit less than what the show did last week, which sounds about right to me. Poll's still open though for another 24 hours or so. If you want to go and vote at Solomonster is the place to go. If you want to follow me on there, you can follow me on Twitter. I mentioned the Wrestle Rumble stuff earlier. And again, congrats to Scott Borough, who won the two tickets to All Out in Chicago in the ticket giveaway last night. I did manage to get that done, at least. But the next contest is an art contest. Seinfeld meets pro wrestling. You can win a piece of custom hand-drawn artwork from Rajan Sedalia. Very talented artist. It's only a buck to enter. And I will be choosing one winner at random two weeks from tonight. That'll be during my August 4th Dynamite review. It's only a buck to enter. So go to WrestleRumble.com. There's a picture of the artwork up there too. Uh, if you're a Seinfeld fan and a wrestling fan, you kind of merge the two worlds together. Uh, it's pretty cool what Rajan was able to come up with here. So go to WrestleRumble. You can see it for yourself. And if you want to bid on it, it's only a buck to do so. 
And with that out of the way, let's turn to your Super Chats, which I did not have a chance to get to last night, but as I say every week, I will read each and every single one of them on the air, even though this is not live, but I am going to get through every single message that came through last night, and thank you to everybody who sent one in. Uh, I felt like an ass when everything went to hell, and I couldn't uh, acknowledge everybody felt like everybody was like Roman Reigns standing around. Acknowledge me. Well, I'm going to acknowledge you right now. We're going to start with Nayef Alsafar, who dropped 10 bucks. No message, just wanted to show some love. Nayef, thank you very much. JN Sermons. Going to AEW in New Jersey, New York, and Philly. Cannot wait. So he's hitting the uh, the hat trick there. He's going to have He's going to have a lot of fun going to those shows. So uh, JN, have a good time. Oz and Glorious. Last week I said CM Punk is debuting it all out, and you said that I would be disappointed. I saw your tweet today, though. Did you change your mind? Well, yes, of course. Things have changed. A lot can change in wrestling in a week, including my mind. So, yes, I have have indeed changed my mind. Oz and Glorious also said, Freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus the Icon Sting. It was the greatest moment in wrestling history. Rest in peace, Jim Cornette. Yeah, he probably had... I'm sure he'll have an aneurysm when he watches that segment. Brian Becerra with the 20 bucks. The choke slam on the chairs had me grabbing my back. Ouch. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. That, that was uh, about as brutal as what Kevin Owens took in the Money in the Bank match when he got slammed, spine first, onto the edge of that ladder. Chris Quillman with the five. For me, Britt Baker is to AEW what Tommy Dreamer was to ECW at the beginning of his career. I see her now, and I just want to chant, She's hardcore. I think Adam Cole would like that. Epsilon Sama with the five bucks. Hey, Solomon, sir, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you Brian Danielson would be all elite. You were right. You were right. I, I said it in the uh, in the video I did on Punk and Brian. I thought that Brian, in the end, would work out a special deal to stay with WWE. And uh, nothing is confirmed, but it does not look like that is the case, and I'm actually very happy about that. I didn't say I wanted him back in WWE. I just thought that's where he would stay. Uh, I love the fact that he might be leaving and going somewhere else. And that we might be able to hear the familiar chords of Final Countdown. Even though people in the chat a few weeks ago tried to tell me that that is a terrible song. All that uh, proved to me is that these people have terrible taste in music. Level 20 Factotum. Thank you, Factotum. Factotum. With the five bucks. If Nick Gage is labor number two... Then I'm putting money on a strap match with a literal bear as the other, as one of the other three labors. Well, I was you know, I was saying this last night uh, before I got cut off that, you know, Jericho is obviously a big, uh, he's a vodka guy, right? Big Grey Goose guy. So maybe it'll be somebody dressed up in a giant Grey Goose bottle that he has to wrestle. He'll be torn. He'll be conflicted. He won't know what to do. Maybe he can't, that's, that's like putting one of his children in the ring. Matthew Curry with the five bucks. How do you think Jim Cornette is feeling about Nick Gage being on AEW? I would not think that Jim Cornette is a fan of Nick Gage, although I have not heard his uh, thoughts or opinions on him, but I guess if he talked about Dark Side of the Ring, he probably had a lot to say. 
about Nick Gage. I would assume that he is not a fan. Jacob Donnelly with the five bucks. Thank you for the compliments on the thumbnail. That was a uh, collaboration. I wanted to do something. I knew about the Texas Deathmatch happening, and I said, for whatever reason, Texas Chainsaw Massacre popped in my head. And I went to Steve. Went to Steve Mello. I said, look, I want you to... I want you to work the Texas Chainsaw Massacre into the thumbnail. And so that's what he came up with. You make a good team. Emmanuel Briseno with the $10 Super Chat. Thank you, Emmanuel. Juan Sanchez says, uh, Is it true that you are one of the greatest bozos of all time? I've had a few people tell me that before. So uh, that is true. Bread Heart. Still one of my favorite donators. Bread Heart. I'm happy that you liked my name, Solomonster. Thank you for your hard work. Have fun, everyone. Thank you, Bread Heart. Dried chicken without flavor. Lance Archer and John Moxley said F off to TNT's practices and standards tonight during their Texas deathmatch. Well, if you thought that they said, uh, you know, piss off to standards and practices last night... Just imagine what uh, Jericho and Gage will be doing on the show next week. Randy Bobandi with the $10 Super Chat. Can we all just take a moment to admire how cute the Sala Monster looks tonight? I do it every day. I take at least a couple of moments out of my day to acknowledge that very thing. So if you would like to uh, join in, I, I certainly want to argue. Ryan Spy says MDK. Big Nick Gage fan. Anti-M-Bishop07 with the $10 Super Chat. Bishop here. Dynamite was a nice mouth cleanser from the BS fed to us the last two days. Thoughts on the Brian Danielson rumors that are ongoing. Much respect. Uh, yeah, there's a whole video that you'll find on the channel separate from this one. Uh, or if you're listening to this in audio format, if I you know push this out to the feed... Uh, there'll probably be separate audio on that as well. But if, if nothing else, you'll find it on the YouTube channel. I did a whole segment on uh, Punk and Brian, so you can get my thoughts there. Dry Chicken, Jay White, my dog dripping in finessin' Bay Bay. Jesse Cam, thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. Same to the genius. This is the point in the stream where we got a whole bunch of uh, super chats from people who were trying to get my attention, <laughs> telling me that the stream was broken, it was lagging, they couldn't hear me. So I don't want to go through uh, each of those messages since we're not streaming at the moment, but I do want to say thank you to the genius, Professor John Gotti. I mean, this guy is, what can I say? Even on the absolute worst night that I have ever had streaming, the worst stream that I have ever done, he dropped $100 tell me that the stream is lagging the chat has been spamming lol i was in the zone man I, I was saying this last night when i was talking about the punk and brian stuff i was locked in so my eyes were not going anywhere but just looking straight at you guys and 25 minutes later is when i finally looked at the chat and i said ah shit so that's what happens when you don't pay attention to the chat even the Super Chats, I, I wasn't even looking at those. I was looking at you guys, and I was talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, and then came to find out what was going on. But John Gotti, thank you for the 100 bomb. Ryan Spies, 
said this uh, lag is worse than a Kali match. Tech Nation with the $5. You are being peacocked. I could have used some help from Tech Nation last night. Dry Chicken Without Flavor, Lily the Doll, and Peacock is crashing your stream. JB dropping five bucks. I feel like I'm listening to Tom Nook on Animal Crossing talk. Get better soon. I don't know. I don't know who that is or what that is, but that doesn't sound good. Alberto Ortiz, Peacock is running the stream. Boots, thank you for the five dollars. Magician Sapphire with the 10 spot. Says the uh, stream last night doing its best Peacock impression. Yeah, well, the biggest difference between me and Peacock is that Peacock is backed by a multi-billion dollar media conglomerate. And they have a whole team of people working on their shit. They don't have any excuse for what happened during Money in the Bank. But I, I can I can sympathize with the poor uh, staffers who were responsible for trying to fix that the other night. I feel their pain. Andrew Heller. Here's hoping that this can be used for a better connection. Dried Chicken. Your stream is turning into WWE 2K20. With these lags and glitches. Professor John Gotti came back with two more $50 Super Chats. Says, uh, Stone Cold taught us that it doesn't matter what you say as long as you're passionate. Even though we cannot hear Solomonster, he is talking with passion. Those peacock mind games. And then he sent another $50 super chat as well. Yeah, people could see the passion on my face. They just couldn't fucking hear what I was saying. Ryan Spies, in my opinion, you have punk feud with MJF whenever he comes in. I don't know who you pair Brian up with. The idea that I talked about in the other video... Uh, was introducing them within weeks of each other. Punk in Chicago at All Out. I mean, that's a, that's a natural. Uh, especially at the very end. If Omega were to go over Hangman, which would lead to a rematch eventually. But if Hangman does not win the title, and Omega wins and you know through shenanigans or whatever, you have Punk come out at the very end of the show to make an appearance. A few weeks later at Arthur Ashe at the New York City debut, you're going to have a record crowd there in New York City for this AEW show. You're going to have close to 20,000 people in the building that night by the time they get to September because they're opening up new seats and sections every day, it looks like. That's where I would have Brian uh, make his debut. But I would have them, you know, when they initially come in, partner up, for lack of a better word, with Hangman Page. I know Hangman is friends with the Dark Order and they kind of have his back, but maybe they don't have his back after a while. Maybe the numbers are even too much for them. They get locked away somewhere, whatever the case may be. The numbers game for Hangman Page, let's say, is too much. He needs new friends. You know, he needs names that are bigger than fucking Evil Uno and, uh, you know, 10 of the Dark Order. And I think also rubbing shoulders with Punk and Brian would also be of benefit to Hangman Page. Not that he needs it, but it certainly can't hurt. And it gets Punk and Brian involved in the top story in the company without them actually challenging for the championship. Everything should be positioned to help Hangman Page along as he eventually takes the title. I would not have Punk challenging for the title. I would not have Brian right out of the gate challenging for the title. But I think an association or a loose partnership with Hangman Page 
instead of trying to figure out who to individually pair them off with. Because that's going to be the biggest news in the company, right? When and if they debut, Punk and Brian being at AEW, that is going to be a huge story. So I wouldn't debut Brian, for example, and have him feuding with somebody on the mid-card. You know, eventually he'll work with all of those people. Right out of the gate, you've got to involve them in a top program on the show. And I think having Hangman Page, you know, assisted by them, that would be the way to go. They may have other ideas, though, since uh, Hangman has the Dark Order. But the Dark Order is not CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. I think we can all agree on that. Walter Palacios, thank you for the five bucks. Dry chicken without flavor. If you feel like breaking everything, you should either break the entire WWE Thunderdome, uh, or you should break the entire Thunderdome just to get it out of your system. Yeah, I was so furious. I'm still furious. I've calmed down a little bit, but I was so angry last night. Took everything not to grab this laptop and just break it in half. It took every fiber of my... Because it wasn't an, it wasn't an internet issue. It was a computer issue. And I know that because <clears throat> when I gave up finally on the stream last night, my initial thing was, I'll record a video review in OBS. I'll just... Instead of streaming it live, I'll just record it offline. And the CPU usage was still spiking. It was spiking up to 50%, which is a ridiculously high number. It should not be that high. Even when I experience lag, uh, you know, typically when it happens, it's spiking to, you know, 23, 26, maybe 30, and even that's a bad number. So I saw 50 and I said, oh boy. But it was happening off, it was happening offline as well. Uh, you know, even when I went to record audio last night, the whole system was lagging. I have no idea if there was a background update going on. My big fear is that I don't know what caused it. It could happen again next week. So I'm going to be buying a new machine. Now I have to just kind of rush uh, and figure out exactly what it is that uh, I'm going to spring for. I have, you know, I know the specs that I want. The problem is, you know, you go and you, you search for a laptop and you'll get some specs, but not others. You want a certain amount of memory? Okay, you'll get that, but you won't have, you know, the processor that you want. Or you won't have, you know, you'll have this, but you won't have that. Uh, I don't have time to look into custom build. This has to be this has to be taken care of ASAP. Uh, that's on me this week and this this weekend to try to figure out. Uh, you know, desktop is not an option right now. Just space wise, logistically, uh, I just I can't do it. It's got to be a laptop. So we'll figure it out. But uh, definitely need to. Uh, just get a new system in here as quickly as possible. I just don't like rushing, you know, into it. I want to make sure I get the right thing that's going to work, it's going to last, it's going to be exactly what I need it to be. We're trying to get something that's already pre-built, you know, whether it's Dell or Asus or whatever company it may be, that has all of the specs that I need it to be, that has been the, uh, the challenge in looking around, so... We'll see. I mean, any recommendations or suggestions that you guys have, by all means. I know some of you are techies and probably have better input into this stuff than I do. Uh, I'm all ears. If you have any suggestions or, you know, tips to help or anything like that, uh, I need power. That's what I need. I need power. 
fast processor, all the memory I need. I need something fast that can handle video uh, streaming and encoding and uh, uploading, all, all that stuff. That That's really what I need. Uh, we got Rodimus Prime dropping 40 bucks. Caught the last hour of the show. Awesome main event. But my question to you is, what letter grade would you give Raw from Monday? You're going to have to wait for my Raw review to find out about that. It's, it's not a very high grade. It's a failing grade. I'll say that much. Javon the Legend, thank you for the two bucks. Actually dropped uh, four bucks. It says, Kenny pins Page, gets DQ'd. Silver gets the win. All right, so he's so he's talking about the ten man tag next week. I could see that. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Natural born thriller with the five bucks. Hope your live stream went well tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brother! If only you knew. He says I can't wait for AEW Dynamite coming to Queens. I already got my ticket. I am excited. As well, you should be. That's going to be one hell of a show. You know they're going to go all out for that show. No pun intended. Andrew Heller with the five says, uh, stuff happens. We are still here for you. The tall one at 93. Oh, heck, it's the revenge of Peacock. Jared M with the $55 super chat. Still better than raw. It's very kind of you, Jared. Thank you. Khalid Adam. Thanks for returning. Great main event to know. I returned a few times before I finally just, uh, I had to throw the towel in. Dry chicken without flavor. AEW has to get more creative with their women's division. This year, I am doing my best not to set myself up for disappointment, only with the AEW women. Yeah, they don't really have a whole lot going on right now in the women's division. You have whoever Britt Baker is feuding with. You know, tonight we had a little bit of uh, the you know an issue with the Bunny and Chris Statlander. But there really isn't uh, a whole lot, at least in terms of dynamite. I'm not talking about whatever may be happening on Dark or Elevation. Uh, there's not a, a whole lot going on program-wise. Really nothing going on in the women's division. So hopefully things will start to uh, pick up a little bit. King of Doug style, not much, but a thank you for the effort. And finally, Domination Warrior with the $5 Super Chat. Going to fight for the Fallen and watch Gage and Jericho wreck shit. Shout out to Deadlock's own Pulse in the crowd, and Mox Archer ruled. Cross feel and became, or fell, I think is what he meant, and became prey. Boy, he sure did, didn't he? Yeah, I'll get into that in my Raw review. That'll be something to look forward to this Sunday on episode 714 of the podcast. I want to thank everybody who dropped a super chat last night. Again, I apologize for all of the uh, technical issues that was not expected. It really pissed me off because last week was was shaping up to be a huge stream. And, you know, to have to sit here and go through all of those issues was just a, a complete fucking embarrassment. It was like a whole, just a, a total Mickey Mouse night. Did not go the way I was hoping for it to go. Ruin my whole week. I'm still fuming over it. Uh, you guys deserve better. So I wanted to make sure I at least came back here the next day with an audio review to uh, tide you over. Uh, because it was a show I enjoyed. Maybe not quite as much as last week, but I thought it was a good show last night. Next week is looking stacked. 
And again, if you want my thoughts on the CM Punk and the Daniel Bryan news, got uh, over 20 minutes of that in a uh, separate video up on the YouTube channel here on Thursday. Thursday morning, as I am sitting here and recording this. So, I will be back with you for a live Dynamite stream next Wednesday. I have no idea what to expect, because I am sure even if I buy something new, it will not be here in time for next week. So either last night was a total fluke, or it is a bad omen of things to come. I can make no promises to you guys other than I will be here, and uh, I will be doing my damnedest to stream, and hopefully the CPU will not be uh, off the charts again, but uh, I guess we shall see. All right, that's part of the fun, waiting to see what happens. But thank you for sticking with me. Thank you for all the kind words on uh, on Twitter, and uh, join me on Sunday. For episode 714 of the podcast. Until then, be well, stay safe, have yourselves a great rest of your week, and uh, I will see you back next week for more AEW Dynamite. Until then, take care, guys.